Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Asks podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kashmir, a senior in college who lives her life by the motto, question everything. This week, I had the privilege of interviewing my idol, my inspiration, and a true queen in the education scene, Kathy Kashmir, aka Mom. With years of experience in her own K-8 classroom and even more with helping students like myself become teachers, I couldn't think of a better person to give us the 411 on all things teaching. If you would like to just give a little bit of an introduction to yourself. Sure. I'm Kathy Kashmir. Um, I grew up on a small farm uh, in the middle of southern Wisconsin. Um, I'm the youngest of seven children and back in the 60s. I was very involved in music pretty much through middle school and high school, and I went to study music therapy in Winona, Minnesota. Um, I changed my degree my sophomore year to elementary education, and I transferred back to uh, the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater because I wanted to do my student teaching back home. My first three years, I taught first grade in a farming community near uh, my hometown, And then I moved to Milwaukee, where I've been ever since, um, teaching for Milwaukee Public Schools. This is my 38th year, having taught every grade, first through eighth grade, except second. And I taught middle school social studies for two years in which Alex was one of my students. And I currently teach third grade reading and writing. I'm really glad that I keep getting the number right because I bring you up in class all the time. And every time I bring you up, I'm like, she's been teaching for 38 years. And every time I say it, I'm like, I hope I'm right. Because if I'm wrong, that's bad. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad I'm getting that right. Um, So what else have you done? Because obviously, like you've taught, you've had your own classroom. But what other things have you done in like an educational setting? All right. Um, Well, back in the 90s, I was a technology coordinator for 10 years. Um, That was a time when schools were starting to network and add computers to classrooms and starting to integrate technology into the academics. So um, I readied our school for, took about five years to do that. And then the last five years um, of those 10 years, I was teaching technology to kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, I've been a cooperating teacher for many field students and student teachers over the years. And I uh, just recently served as a mentor for two years um, for Teach for America program in Milwaukee. So obviously schools have changed. Just how do you think that the teaching profession has changed over time? And do you think that that change might be why there is such a shortage. Boy, where do I begin? Um, I would say the biggest change is what I teach now. Um, years ago, it was part of the classroom community to be caring and kind and thoughtful. And it, it was just part of who we were. Um, now we have programs that my district has adopted about bullying and suicide and racism um, that we have to fit into our curriculum. And it's not that those issues didn't um, exist years ago, but it seems they are becoming more so as our communities and our our world changes. Mm -hmm. Um, I no longer only teach white, black and brown students originating from um, the United States, 
but from all over the world. So much of my time in the class is teaching respect and appreciation for our differences and to make sure that um, that doesn't stop once the students leave my class. And I'm fortunate to work at a building where we embrace uh, and celebrate the diversity of our students and our families. And I think that is so important um, to do as we receive more people from other countries. Um, and going back to the, uh, the curriculum of bullying, suicide, and racism, um, it's hard. It's really, really hard to, to find the time to, to fit those in. Um, and I, I think so much is being put on educators' plates. And I, I honestly think that so many teachers just, they can't, they can't find the time to juggle what they do at school and their families and their, their um, personal lives. It's just too much. And I don't care how much they're paid. It is just too much being put on their plate. And I think that's why we lose so many teachers. You teach at an incredibly diverse school. And I mean, as she mentioned earlier, like I went to the school for two years. I've seen the diversity at this school. I know what it's like firsthand. And whenever I go back and visit, it just seems to be even more so than when I went there. Um, so can you talk a little bit just about that diversity and what exactly diversity means, I guess, because we're all so set in like racial diversity, but what else does it mean to be a diverse school? And then how do you as an educator try and teach to such a diverse group? Sure. Um, we currently have 17 different languages spoken at the school. Although you'd never know it um, when you move from classroom to classroom, um, all the students speak English while in the school, some better than others. Um, but if you go outside during recess, um, you'll hear Hmong and Burmese and Lao and Malay and Quran or all sorts of Arabic dialect. Um, I guess it would make sense to pair them up with others in the class um, while they work on their academics who speak the same language so they can help each other out. But I don't. Um, students who are new to the country, um, called newcomers, will learn English quicker um, listening to English than their native language. We have a very large Hmong community um, in, our, in our school. Uh, parents are very involved. In fact, we have um, three uh, Hmong uh, paras, paraprofessionals who, who help in the classroom, so that helps a lot. We have Hmong dancing, so a lot of our, our girls are um, involved in that. And we've recently, just the last two years, it's not just for Hmong um, students anymore. We, um, our para who teaches it, has opened the door and allowed other students to join. So it's really awesome. We have Arabic students who have learned Hmong dancing. Um, it's, it's just so great to see. We have a multicultural night uh, in the spring. It embraces all of our cultures. There's uh, poems that are written. There's songs that are sung in other languages. There's no, the Hmong dancers are there. It's just really a great night for all the community, all the um, ethnic groups to come together. I think the school that you teach at does a really good job at not just 
I don't know, like tokenizing the diversity and making it like, oh, look, we have a multicultural night. We celebrate diversity. No, the teachers there make it a really big point to celebrate diversity, but not in a way that they're, you know, being so outward about it, but more that they're just so accepting of everyone and are so understanding of many different cultures and customs and backgrounds that is just kind of woven into the school. Okay, um, what is your favorite memory? There are so many, but I actually chose something that I think changed the direction of how I was teaching. Um, it was back in my late 20s. Uh, we took the fifth and sixth grade students uh, winter camping, and we went for four days and three nights Sounds like something that would be crazy, but it was awesome. Um, it was the first time I really let that line between teacher and student be erased. Um, and it was a blast. I learned a lot about allowing my students to see me as a person outside of the classroom. And it really did change who I was as a teacher. Um, it was great. It, the students called me Kathy. Um, we, we, in fact, we all called each other by our first names that entire time that we were there. Um, it, was, it was just a, a, a great experience. So we hear a lot about that sort of stuff in our classes, like, you know, trying to treat students like individual people, and we are individual people, and we are on the same playing field, and we're working together to learn like that's what we hear a lot in our class um and obviously going on a trip like that is going to you know speed up that process how can you like are, are there any suggestions to up-and-coming teachers to actually help us do that like some actionable steps to try and bring us more onto the same playing field and make us more equal rather than having like the teacher and the students and having that dynamic? I think planning things together um, really helps. Um, when the teacher is always making the rules, always making the lessons, um, pulling the students into that, what would you like to learn about? Um, is there something that you would like to teach the class? That is, that's really valuable. Um, because there's buy-in. The students are part of that class. It's not, they're the student, you are the teacher. We hear about that a lot in our classes, too, about, you know, how do you get your students more involved? And a big part of it is giving them some stake in the class. What was a situation that you were in that you didn't expect like, that was particularly challenging? And then how did you handle it? <sighs> I did not expect parents not to take part in their child's education. Um, I didn't expect parents to make education a, a second thought. Um, it's so challenging in every way. Education is so important in building the confident, um, the confidence and successfulness of a child. And when a parent doesn't take the time to invest in their child's education, you know, why should the child? Um, I see it every year. Uh, the parents who don't come to school events, they don't sign up for um, parent-teacher conferences, field trip permission slips aren't returned, um, and so on. So the child has a tendency not to do their work. Um, 
they lack in study skills, uh, they can't differentiate between learning time and play time. Um, those parents are on my radar immediately at the beginning of the year and I reach out to them immediately offering support um, and letting them know that we need to work together. And sometimes it works, most times it doesn't, unfortunately. So I focus on the child and I try to help them understand that knowledge gives them confidence and the ability to do things that they might not realize that they have. Um, I have to try to do what the parent isn't doing um, and hope it stays with them after they leave my class. So what if the kid doesn't take it? What if they just don't want, want the help or they don't accept the help? It happens. Um, I, we have a, we have a bit team, which is a behavior intervention team. Usually when, when I have used all of my, my tools, um, I turn the name over to the BIT team and it involves school psychologist, social worker, um, strategist, and they start looking at the child beyond just in the classroom and try to, try to reach them in a different way that I, I can't. Um, and many times that helps, but honestly, it's, it has to come from the home. And when it doesn't, it's sometimes a losing battle, unfortunately. My last question is, what is your advice to new teachers? Um, make good plans, but always expect the unexpected. Um, work smarter, not harder, and learn to laugh at your shortcomings. Um, my biggest advice, take time to get to know your students, especially the quiet ones. Um, I've had many students come back and tell me I made a difference in their lives. Um, what you say and do can change a child's path. So choose your words and actions wisely. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and talking about stuff. Of course, thank you for having me. Another huge thank you to Kathy Kashmir for giving us her insights, experiences, and advice on our path to becoming educators. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and got something of value from it. If you did, like, comment, and subscribe for more. I'm kidding. Wouldn't that be cool if I wasn't, though? <laughs> <laughs>